French battalion, it would be the Germans. The English cavalry were brave enough, but with no discipline. The Germans knew their job and did it well. Lasso grinned at the compliment and mounted, and as the Germans left, cloaked against the rain, Sharp dismissed his men for a ten-minute break. Lieutenant Knowles walked up the street. It was a miserable village, poor and deserted. The inhabitants had gone, as the Portuguese government had ordered. When the French advanced, they would find no crops, no animals, wells filled with stones or poisoned with dead sheep, a land of hunger and thirst. Yet despite this grim resistance, there was no hope, and Knowles felt his spirits drop with the thought. The war was lost. The door of the Church of Sao Paulo in Celorico, the temporary headquarters of the South Essex, banged open, letting in the late afternoon sunlight and Lawford, dressed in his glittering best uniform, beckoned at Sharp. Ready? Yes, sir. Major Forrest, waiting outside, smiled at Sharp. But Lieutenant Colonel, the Honourable William Lawford, stared. He looked Sharp up and down. Is that the best you can do? Sharp fingered the tear in his sleeve. It's all I've got, sir. All? What about that new uniform? Good Lord, Richard, you look like a tramp. Uniforms in Lisbon, sir, in store. Light companies should travel light. Lawford snorted. Come on, we don't want to be late. He returned the salute of the sentries and set off. It was strange, Sharp thought, how Lawford was the sum of all he disliked about privilege and wealth. Yet he liked Lawford and was content to serve him. They were the same age, thirty-three, but Lawford had always been an officer. Seven years ago, Lawford had been a lieutenant and Richard Sharp, his sergeant, both fighting the Marathas in India, and the sergeant had kept the officer alive in the dungeons of the Tipu Sultan. In return, Lawford taught the sergeant to read and write, and thus qualified him for a commission, if ever he were foolish enough to perform some act of bravery on a battlefield that could hoist a man from the ranks into the officer's exalted company. Sharp followed Lawford through the crowded streets towards Wellington's headquarters. And seeing the colonel's exquisite uniform and expensive accoutrements, he wondered where they'd be in another seven years. Lawford was ambitious, as was Sharp, but the colonel had the birth and the money for great things. Then Sharp grinned, because they were going now to answer the summons of the general, and it was fighting under Wellington that had earned Sharp all that he had, and would earn him his future. A tall mast jutted from the roof of Wellington's headquarters, topped by a crosspiece, from which hung four tarred sheep bladders. Sharp looked at them curiously. This was the first time he'd seen the new telegraph that was used for sending messages, via other similar stations, to the far-off fortress of Almeida and to the troops guarding the River Coa. The system had been copied from the Royal Navy, and Sharp had heard that a message could travel twenty miles in less than ten minutes. He forgot the telegraph as they stepped into the cool hallway of the house. His Lordship will see you now. A suave young major smiled at them, as though they'd been invited for tea. It had been a year since Sharp had seen Wellington, but nothing had changed. Still the table covered with papers, the same blue eyes that gave nothing away above the beak of a nose, and the handsome mouth. He watched, cautiously, as the quill pen was laid down, the expressionless eyes looked up, and the general used one of his few thin smiles. What do you think of our chances this summer? Lawford cleared his throat. 
There's clearly some concern, my lord. Another wintry smile. The enemy intend to push us into the sea, and soon. How do we respond? Lawford was feeling uncomfortable. The question was one he would rather hear answered by the general. Bring them to battle, sir. Thirty thousand troops plus twenty-five thousand untried Portuguese against three hundred and fifty thousand men? Wellington let the figures hang in the air like the dust that shifted silently in the slanting sunlight over his desk. The figures, Sharp knew, were unfair. Messina needed thousands of those men to contain the guerrilleros, but even so, the disparity in the numbers was appalling. Wellington sniffed, and Sharp watched the fingers drum on the edge of the table. The eyes came to Sharp, flicked to Lawford. Colonel, I'm borrowing Captain Sharp from you, and his company. Yes, my lord. Wellington stood. The war.